Newcastle Fans TV. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Greenman and Mullins show. And what a Greenman and Mullins show in prospect it will be today. As we have Ross Murray on the show, who competed at the 2012 Olympics as a middle distance runner. And believe it or not, Sam, he can do a mile, one mile, less than four minutes. Can you do a mile in less than eight minutes? Because I don't think I can even do one in eight minutes, to be honest. I can in the car pretty easily. <laughs> um, I can do I can do 220 miles in three and a bit hours. So who's the real winner? Well, no, I love getting Olympians on. I can't believe London 2012 was 10 years ago. It still seems like yesterday because it was just the best. It was just fantastic, so inspirational. And uh, Ross was in the 1500 metres semi-finals and, um, yeah, must have been one hell of an experience to uh, compete in a home games. But he's also a huge Newcastle fan. I was messaging him today. Uh, we record this the day after the Arsenal 2-0 win, uh, win, which is the last home game of the season where we had a takeover. We looked like we were getting relegated and we've stayed up at an absolute canter. So, um, yeah, it, it, it should be good, this. I'm really looking, really looking forward to actually recording the intro before the actual main event, if you like. You with, just want, what's... like, pub tips because you're you're going to the place in Portugal where he's just come back from. Yeah, shout out to Patrick Gilboy. It's a stag do next week and we are going to Albafira. He won't know this because it comes out next Tuesday. He thinks he's going to the Isle of Man. So... <gasps> It's an absolute exactly. surprise lash. Yeah. So he is not He thinks he's going to the island, man. He thought he thought that I gave it away, saying that we were staying in this country, but we're but we're going to Portugal, we're going to Albafira. So when this comes out, I'll be in the sun. So Aww. it'd be fantastic. So I'm gonna get to, I'm gonna speak to Ross probably after the show. <laughs> or before the show, maybe not during the show, just in case he is listening, because he does like the dreaming and all on the show. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get some we'll get some tips. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. And plus, you can't not talk about Newcastle United. He's actually from NE29 as well. Originally, is Ross from North Shields, the best place in the world. So we've got a lot of things in common. He's a long distance runner or middle distance runner, if you like. I can run a little bit, not as quick as him, but it should be absolutely spectacular. But just going on to the game last night as we record against Arsenal. Who is your man of the match? Because in the comments, with it, really straight out the bat, one of the most dynamic and bold midfield displays I've ever seen. Don't get me wrong; you could name about three or four others, and I wouldn't argue with you. Um, Bruno, Callum Wilson, and I think Matt Target as well, who on paper had the hardest job um, in marking Saka, and has done it with ease in the end. Like you know, you're not going to get much support with ASM in front of you, but. No, absolutely superb. But yeah, Joe Linton just snuck it for me, in my opinion. But um, showed every inch why he's a £40 million midfielder. <laughs> I, I've changed my mind, I have to be honest, Sam, and I don't like changing my mind. However, I thought Callum Wilson was superb. And I was like, Callum Wilson's easily the man of the match, easily. I thought he absolutely bullied Arsenal's defenders all night. He didn't give them an inch. And Ben White was booked early on. Gabriel really struggled. But when I watched the game, like the highlights back a little bit, I think it was like a 10 minute in depth highlight package at the club half. I thought Bruno Guimaraes, I just I just think. We say it every week. Uh, it's that impact that he has on the game. We, you just don't realise. I, I don't think Newcastle fans actually realise until after the game how much of an impact he has on that game. And I, I can't wait to get Ross's uh, thoughts on who his man of the match is as well, because it, like, like Sam, you rightly say, it could have been absolutely anybody really i think obviously there was three or four outstanding candidates but you couldn't argue with anybody really no no i've been in over Bruno for weeks and weeks and weeks so he's just on another level even when we lose and we've we've took a bit of a hiding you can still tell he's he's still a man who's head and shoulders above the rest and levels above what we're used to so yeah just more it's such a shame the season's ending now because um, when was it? When was the last time you said that? As a new, maybe maybe twenty eleven twelve. Maybe no, maybe. Well, no, because I think we, even in that season when we finished fifth, we were sort of running out of puff. We had a few bad results against like um, Fulham away and Wigan away, and 
things like that. But maybe, maybe do you know what? I think maybe the maybe the Glen Roder season where we were just storming up the table. But I think that's a contender. But apart from that, I can't think of I can't think of any really. Well, let's get Ross's thoughts on it because I think he'll will want to talk all things Newcastle United, just like we all do, and that is why we love doing this Greenwood and Mullen the show. So it is the Greenwood and Mullen the show, and it is with Ross Murray. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV. The Mulliner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Myself and Sam are joined by a man who has competed on the 2012 Olympic Games, which, believe it or not, was 10 years ago nearly, which I'm sure Ross won't mind me mentioning, but he was involved, Ross Murray. He is a fantastic guest because we've got a lot of things in common. We've just been talking behind the scenes about a couple of little things. We might mention it later on the show. But the one thing that we all have in common for definite what a shirt that is. We're all massive Newcastle United fans. So, Ross, welcome to the show. Cheers. Thanks for having us. I don't know if it was a bit extra coming with me with me top on with Shearer on the back, but I didn't know oh. what the, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was worth it. I think it's a, it's a bit of a classic one. I think it's all right. It's nice. I love the material of that shirt as well. It's like, it's like really, like, you need like nylon. Silky. 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 Yes. That Silky. is exactly what it is. Yeah. I love it. Well, Ross. We have to talk about the Newcastle match yesterday. It's on everybody's lips, that win against Arsenal. For our podcast listeners, I'm sure you don't mind because we're talking about Newcastle winning games. But I know you've just been doing a, a bit of sightseeing on a holiday um, just recently, Ross. So I don't know how much of the game you would have seen last night, uh, but what did you make of the results and the performance in general? Well, I mean, fortunately... I was back in the country for the game, but as you can tell from my voice, uh, the, the 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 holiday that I was on was a uh, was quite leery. It was a bit of a big one, um, but no, I think when when the, when the game started, and you know, I don't know in the build up to it with you know the the display from War Flags, it just felt like something that bit extra special. I think all like the back end of the season, the atmosphere like War Flags come back in and. After you know the takeover, things seemed to get better and better and better. But then last night, I don't know, it just feels some, something that bit extra and that bit special. Before the game had even started, you're like, it's I don't know, it's gonna it's gonna go well tonight. You know, the the crowd seemed mad up for it, and then obviously the way that we played as well, we absolutely dominated them. Um, and I think to be fair, they weren't great to be, you know, they 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 weren't that good. But I think it, I think you know, largely due to the fact that we probably didn't let them play as play at all you know that high press and just keep going that I mean to me for what was biggest thing was like the energy of the team it was just constantly going after them going after them not letting up and then again coming out after half time I really wanted us to to nick a goal before half time because I just had visions of coming out and they would have you know regrouped and, and managed to pull it back together but um what a, what a performance I mean fair to say maybe he's one of the best ones I've seen since since Eddie Howe took over and uh, having Callum Wilson back up front I think made a, a real big difference as well and shows you know we've, we've missed him yeah that sums up pretty much everything right see you That's next right week <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I waffled a bit too much there <laughs> no not at all it was no not at all it was perfect because that's exa- exactly what happened we didn't let them play the midfield was just utter dominated uh, domination from the first whistle to the last the two brazilian boys in midfield i mean this is this is the same season where myself and Johnny Ross were stood outside of Molyneux and YouTube comments were saying, I looked so angry I was ready to punch a puppy after we'd just lost and, and witnessed Jeff Hendrick score as the high, but that was the high point of the day. But, but, but now, just, but just, you're lost for words, aren't you? Like, it's, it's mad. It's mad. It's, it's, they said, I think they said it was, it, it's the, the most improved team in Premier League history. That's what yeah. the, the record has been the most improved. And to think how bad it was before the takeover, like it, there was, it just felt so like hopeless. It just felt so hopeless. We were so bad. The football was so rubbish. There was no energy inside the stadium. There was nothing behind the club. It was just so bad. To then where we're at now, it's like to turn that around is phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. But I want you to end the debate, Ross. I want you to end the debate because it's been all over Twitter in the last just under 24 hours since the game started. Who was the man of the match? Because Sam has got his opinion. I've got my own opinion. I'm not going to mention straight away who was our picks. I wanted to see it from the horse's mouth. Who was the best player on the pitch yesterday for Newcastle United? I don't know. I think Bruno, just 
for me, just what he does and how he cuts through, like his passes, how he just cuts through defences and what he does and creating opportunities. But I would say a big shot. I know, look, everyone played so well, but I would even say like, I think Dan Byrne's been class for us. And I think he's almost, because you've had like Joe Linton and, and Bruno doing what they're doing and, and, and like, you know, transforming the team players, like Dan Byrne probably like haven't been given enough credit for me to, for at the back, how good he's been and how solid he's been. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would have to say Bruno last night for me. I mean, it, it wasn't... Did you say Wilson? Who, who, who did you say? Austin, uh, Ma- Austin I, Maxman. So Johnny, Johnny said Bruno. Um, I said Joe Linton. But I think yeah. it, it's one of the, it's one of them things. I don't think there's really a wrong answer unless like... There's not much in it. Not much in unless, it. Unless you say like Dwight Gale. Just run that <laughs> clock down. But like, the, yeah. the, mid, the midfield was just an absolute just a total another level and and again this is the same season where joe linton started as he picked up from last season is just looked an absolute waste of time he looked every inch of 40 million pound center midfielder last night yeah 100% well every it, inch. i mean him him and bruno as well they seem to be across the whole of the pitch at any point they're defending they're attacking their energy levels are like absolutely incredible yeah i mean Ever since Bruno's walked through the door, and I've I've seen him play, I've I've been madly in love with him, and that hasn't changed by any means. It's it's just his his football intelligence and his football brain um, are just levels above. I'd like I said after the Leicester game, um, he might be the best midfielder I've seen play for Newcastle United, which is a bold I... statement to say this early on, but he 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 could be, he could be. Yeah, I think like you say, you've got we've had off a season with him, but I think if he keeps playing the way he is, I mean, I was trying to think of a midfielder who's been as good as him, and forget the forget the Bobson era or the Keegan era because you know it was a very long time ago. In recent times, the only person who's come close was probably, probably Ben Arthur, but he was just so inconsistent. But Ben Arthur on his day was ridiculous. But but I think Bruno's as as good as I know they're totally different players, but I mean in terms of level of foot level of footballer but he was so inconsistent but i think bruno's is good and he seems to be as solid as a rock do you know what i mean ben Arthur had that uh temperamental inconsistent side to him <laughs> I, I still think ben off is probably the best player i've seen in a black and white shirt if you forget about this season almost because i think with ben Arthur, we still got three or four good seasons out of him but just on pure built ability i think Ben Arthur could would get you on the edge of your seat. A bit very similar to St. Maxman getting on the edge of your seat. And I just think for me, Ben Arthur just had that little bit extra on Maxi at the minute. So I think that'll be a debate in, in future oh, years yeah. to come yeah. as well. But I think for Maxi it's, it's just the end the end product a little bit, isn't it? It's like everything yeah. up to that point. Like, I mean, his I think his dribble stats and his passing stats last night were incredible off the chart. But sometimes like it's just been that that end product, that end ball, which might not be at the level that everything else is. But, I mean, how old, how old is Maxi now? Is he like 25, 24? Yeah, he's not he's that old. 25, I think. 25, 25. I think. Yeah, it's around that, isn't it? But he had a really good game yesterday. If, he was, if he's been that good now after working with Steve Bruce for X amount of years, then think, you know, <laughs> a season being coached by, you know, Eddie Howe, then he can only get better. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, a little shout out for Sean Longstaff as well, who made up that midfield yeah. trio yesterday. I thought he was superb, his best game this season, without a doubt. But um, Joe Linton for me, obviously, Matt Target, you know what you're going to get when St Maximin's on your side of the pitch. You're not going to get a great deal of support. And I thought Matt Target had the hardest job um, for us last night in, in dealing with Saka. Um and he did it manfully. Joe Linton used to cut, uh, was cutting across to the left, helping him out, and so Maximum was was um, so much more savvy with the ball. He was playing the simple passes, which benefited the whole team immensely, and found Joe Linton to make the run, which led to the first goal. But Callum Wilson just makes the world of difference because he's just such a complete centre forward. Yeah, and I feel I feel bad for Chris Wood in a way, to be honest, because I think he like he he, he tries. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he, he try, like, but he's just not quite good enough, is he? I would say, for where we need to be or where we're looking to go. But you see, you put Wilson there and just that pressing and just being on that last defender just just, just looks more dangerous, doesn't he? He's faster and, like, I don't know, I think it made 
we looked so much more deadly in front of goal with for having Wilson there, I would say. Mm. Uh, do you, I have to ask, and I, I want to ask, I want to get both your opinions on this. If Callum Wilson didn't get that injury against Manchester United, do you think Newcastle would have still bought Chris, uh, Chris Wood? I would say probably, I don't know, because the thing is, you know how injury-prone Callum Wilson is, so you know you would have needed a, some sort of backup striker. But... Yeah, good point. You would, have need, you would have needed somebody, but would you have paid 20 mil for Chris Wood or would you have tried to get somebody on low? I don't know. That's a good, really good question. I would say... It is, isn't probably... it? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> about it. Um, but, but, I mean, look, the biggest compliment I can give Chris Wood is whilst we've had a tremendous run of form uh, that we've had, there hasn't been too many games where we've done like the post-match stuff and we've come away saying, oh, we've really missed Wilson today. There's only there's only been a couple of games like that, so that that that's a big compliment for Chris Wood, and I think uh, as well, Johnny. I'm not sure whether you've said it on the channel or whether it was just in conversation uh, with me. So I don't want to steal your thunder, but you, um, you just basically said it was a, he's a Premier League Daryl Murphy. Um, I think I probably said it in passing conversation. I think that looking on reflection, I still think that's a bit harsh because you look at his goal scoring record for You Burnley. said it. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, so I'm saying that's why I think it's harsh because I think it's one in three at Burnley, Burnley in the Premier League and one and two at Leeds in the Championship. And I, I still think he could do a job for us next season if he wants to be a striker on the bench who gets 20, 25 minutes, who may, who may start the odd game if a Wilson and X, maybe let's say Ekatike. Let's let's put it out there. Is bought in the summer, but it's look it's it's going to be fascinating because we'll need all these players. We'll need all these players. We need we need a better squad. Like you look at the bench that Newcastle had yesterday. There's an argument that eighty percent of that bench, maybe even more, could possibly go mm. in the summer. I think. I mean, back to, just on the Chris Wood thing. I was just thinking there. Can't slag him off too much because he was part of a team and part of a system that what went like nine games unbeaten you know pretty much seven or six games unbe- unbeaten yeah. at home so he was part of the team and part of the system that re- like reinvigorated Newcastle so yes he wasn't scoring goals but obviously something was working in what what he was being taught to do maybe Eddie Howe all right Eddie Howe's not going to say to him don't score goals but maybe Eddie Howe him saying, your main thing here is to hold up play and to win headers. I'm not bothered about you scoring goals. And if he's, if that's what he's been told to do, and look at the results in Newcastle, like you can't maybe hold him too much, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't want it to come across as um, using Johnny's line of Premier League, Daryl Murphy, as an as a insult. Because Daryl Murphy was a very shrewd signing from Rafa. And and scored some important goals for us. I mean, Chris Woods scored some two, the two goals he scored have been massively important. And as and as I say, that there's not been too many games where we've got oh, really missed Callum Wilson today. We've really mm. that was he would have been the difference. But it is just chalk and cheese. We saw last night to to have been out for that long. He's lost a tooth in the process. <laughs> he was absolutely unreal. Pace, power. So how, how many? How many extra points do you reckon we could have potentially realistically picked up by having Wilson there and not Chris Wood? Maybe not. Are, you, are we saying none because it worked as well as it did? Like, I don't, maybe, maybe we wouldn't have got any. Maybe we're a lot late. Do you know what I mean? That's a really good, that's a really good question. I'll, we'll, we'll back that back to you. But I'm just trying to think, you look at the games that we lost, Tottenham wouldn't have made a difference. We got battered. Manchester City wouldn't have made a difference. Maybe Chelsea away. Yeah, and Everton, maybe and Everton. Oh, Everton, Everton away, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at Everton and Liverpool. Liverpool, I felt that if we had a Callum Wilson, I think considering it was an early Saturday lunchtime kickoff after a Champions League game for Liverpool, I think he would have gone, do you know what, I fancy this today. I really do. How good do you think Callum Wilson could stay fit? How good of a striker do we think he... Well, we know how good he is, right? Because we've seen him play. But, like, you know, how many goals a season do we reckon Callum Wilson could? If Callum Wilson's fit next year, right, and Newcastle finish, let's say, top top nine, let's not get too carried away and say we're top nine, no, top 18. Like, like, what? How many goals? Could Callum Wilson score 18, 17, 16, 20? Like, what do we reckon? How good could do you think he can be? He got, tw- well, he he got 12 last year. He got, he got 12 last year and he was injured for, I would say, 
a third of the season. Is that probably yeah. about right? Let me just shy of a third. So if he's scoring 12 goals in a third of a season and he's played even less this time and got six goals, I can't see him not getting 20 goals in a 38-game season if he stays fit, obviously. But he's just, he is just, I, I think, I think I don't agree with Paul Merson all the time, but his movement is incredible. It really, really is. And his movement on Monday night, Ben White just didn't, just didn't look. I don't think Ben White and Gabriel look match fit for Arsenal. I really don't. I think they were both. No, neither did Tommy Asu. No, I, I, I agree. So I think. I'm, I'm Saka. I thought he looks tired. Mm. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think we, just, I think we got Arsenal at the right day, but I think what Eddie Howe's installed in the players and the Callum Wilson included was, there was no way that Newcastle weren't getting at least a point from that game yesterday. Like, I'm really hoping that a lot of Callum Wilson's injury issues, because we've heard, you know, the stories about how how much Steve Bruce didn't focus on fitness or strength and conditioning or anything like that. And obviously coming from more of a sporting background, like, I, you know, I understand the importance of being physically strong for the, for the you know, the event or the sport that you're doing. So you like to think someone like an Eddie Howe will be saying to Callum Wilson this summer, right, you've got your break, but just get fit, get strong, do all your conditioning, do all your rehab, which I can't imagine Steve Bruce would have been doing at all. So maybe a lot of his injury issues came from lack of lack of training, lack of like the right conditioning to keep him fit. So next year maybe, you know, his hamstring's not gonna go up because he's stronger and we will get and we will get twenty twenty five games out of him instead of whatever we've had, like what, fifteen. You wanna get thirty games really, but you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but by the way, he's still our top scorer this season, <laughs> which is it's, it's mad. Isn't I thought it? Bruno. I thought Bruno. Let, but has he got six? Did he get six this year? I think Bruno's got five now. Five yeah. now. Was that number five last night? All right. Wow. And he says he do, he doesn't score many. No. Yeah, I mean, look, I I agree with you. If I mean, look, if Wilson stays fit, he can't not go. To the World Cup, he just he, he just can't. He's he's. I didn't realize, or I didn't appreciate just how good he was until we signed him and he played a few games, and then you realize like a good striker can hide a multitude of sins. Which you, when you look at last season under Bruce, it did, didn't it? Mm, massively. How do you think as well with the team he had around him at the time? I know you know it's a lot of the same players that weren't getting the best out of them, but with a good team behind him, like. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be class. You actually put up a really good point before uh, Ross about the fitness side of things, the running side of things, and I think there's two elements to how uh, to why Newcastle maybe on the top of these charts and why we get injuries. I think obviously the training facilities aren't nowhere near where they should be. But the question I kind of want to ask you really is, what should professional footballers be doing? training-wise in terms of running, in terms of on a weekly basis or a pre-season basis or just to keep them in, in nick really because I think we don't really hear that side of things. We don't, obviously we know sort of how how much they run on a match day but what do you think they should be doing realistically from your, like obviously, expert opinion? Do you know what it is, and I'll be completely honest, that's a tough one for me to answer because I know how to get someone fit to do a 5k or a 10k or a 1500 or a running, but stop start training for you know uh, 90 minutes to one or two days a week is a very different level of fitness. Now, I imagine they'll be doing a lot of stop start running in training, but I think if I was, you know, I would say maybe a lot of stuff on the bike and the cross trainer to limit the impact on the legs. But you're still getting the like the cardiovascular fitness from it, so you're getting your heart rate up, getting your body efficient and aerobically fit. But then you're not hammering your legs with like because they couldn't be doing six mile runs and four mile runs every day and doing training and doing the conditioning. So I'd say you'd have to like offset it in a certain way so that you're getting your conditioning in the gym, you're doing your your actual like football training, whatever drills you're going to be doing and like matches, uh, training matches and stuff. And then, you know, aside from that, you know, that bit of aerobic fitness, but something where there's no impact on the legs. I imagine that's what they would do, but um, I don't know about that. I don't want, I don't want to speak out of terms of how to get footballers fit because uh, it's not my area of expertise. But, I mean, you'd be able to tell. I mean, again, it seems bizarre that this is the exact same season we're talking about, but that first game of the season against West Ham, where we were pretty decent for an hour, but then after that, we just looked like we'd shot our bolt and then the, the, we just looked so unfit. 
happened. I think it happened a few times, didn't it? Where when when Bruce was in charge, we were one nil up, and then would concede in the last like five ten. I swear, I remember that happening like a few yeah. times, where you were going right, we're going to win, right? No, we're not. And but yeah, it was, and I think it was that lack of fitness, wasn't it? I mean, you see the 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 level of the players now. Even like players like John Joe Shelby just got so much better under under how like it's a complete transformation. I'm sure he's talked about this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. I think it is chalk and cheese. And look, Eddie Howe's been nominated for manager of the season, Ross. And he's got up against the likes of Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, Thomas Frank, Patrick Vieira. If you were, if you weren't a Newcastle fan, do you think he deserves it, or do you think maybe because of the fact that Klopp in particular, he's in, he's going to be in, he's won two trophies, he's in the final of the Champions League. I, I don't know what the score is right now, but I know they're playing this tonight as well. So. It is going to be fascinating to see how if Eddie Howe has won that war because there's an argument to say that he, he does deserve it when you look at the stats. I think as well, I think, you know, if Liverpool were to, you know, have gone on and won the quadruple, and I don't think they're going to now, I think City are going to win the league, aren't they? I can't see them dropping points in the last game of the season. So, you know, if they, you know, win the other trophies, then I, it's hard because... I. I feel like in, I'm going to be inherently biased towards Newcastle and Eddie Howe, even if I don't want to be. But then if you take yourself out of it and say, a guy who picked up a team who was it, hadn't won, a, won for 14 games or bottom of the league to then finish potentially, you know, if we get a result against Burnley, do we finish 12th, 11th and finish fourth in the form table for the second half of the league and Spurs have played three more games than us? and having the most improved team in Premier League history to take a club from the depth of despair with no hope, no nothing, players weren't playing well, nothing, to go on this team look, even if you kept this team as it is, they look like they could finish seventh next year. Like, it's not unrealistic to think is by not just, you know, we sp- we spent a bit of money, but it wasn't, I know it, was, it is and it isn't a lot of money when you think about the underfunding that the team had had for so many years. I think there's definitely it's going to be him or Klopp, I would say, but yeah, I think it depends on what happens with Klopp in Champs League. They're probably not going to win the league, um, and you know all the rest, and obviously the one FA Cup um, and League Cup. So yeah, it depends what happens. I think if Klopp didn't win Champs League and he's probably not going to win the league, then I think it should go to Eddie Howe. There, there you go. But I think if you win, if you do win a quadruple, you can't not give someone a, a, a thing, a manager of the season for that. Yeah, I agree. Um, what I will say is to pick you up on a point there, like, yes, we spent money, but it's how you spend it, for what? Mm. There wasn't, I mean, Bruno and Trippier were the only sort of sexy signings from that. Burn, <laughs> Target, Wood, they're, they're, not, they're not sexy takeover, really get excited about. They're just what was necessary at the time, wasn't it? And you look at teams like Everton, you look at other teams in the division, Aston Villa, who obviously spent the Grealish money, some of it wisely, some of it not. Everton, what a mess they've been in this season after years of poor recruitment. How excited are you, Ross, about the summer and the potential spending we could do? But does it make you a bit nervous at the same time? It does, yeah. And I would rather see us build a way to the title than buy a way in a short space of time. I know that sounds like what's the difference between the two in a way. Well, I think investing, like you say, in the training facilities, developing the players you got, getting a strong academy in there, bringing... Because what we need to be doing, I think, as well, is like what City have done, bringing players like Phil Foden through. That's what we need to be thinking about in the next seven, eight years. Who's what? Who's the best talent that we can get to the club? And I think I'd draw... When you see us linked with players like Lingard and Rashford, I don't want them players. I don't want to touch them because I feel like they're not the type of player that actually want to come and play football. Anyone who wants to come for a paycheck, can we, can we swear on this podcast? Or we, oh, you know, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyone who wants to come for a paycheck, fuck off. Get, get in the fucking <laughs> bin. I don't want you here. I would rather... I would I might get shot, shot down for this. I would rather finish eighth next year with players that want to be there and want to play for the club and love what they're doing than finish sixth or seventh. Mm, I don't know, he's getting Europe. But you know what I mean? With 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 players who <laughs> I want to get in Europe actually. But you know what I mean? I just I'd rather see us getting 
Eight, eight, <laughs> yes, eight there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think the point I'm trying to make is I would rather take like I would rather have players that actually want to be at the club than go for like big name signings like a Deli Alley or uh, a Lingard. Exactly bullshit. No more Michael Owens. I don't want people coming just for the money. I'd rather have players like like Bruno who and who clearly want to be there and build and be part of what we're building at the club. That's what I'd rather have. You wouldn't want to top with Michael Owen on the back, would you, Ross? No, who on earth would ever do that? And if you did, you'd burn yeah. it. You'd yeah. damn burn and, it. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you would. Or give them uh, severe negative feedback off eBay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ross, if you only allowed one player, or who would, who, actually, I'm probably the wrong f- phrase of question. Who would be the first player that you would realistically think that Newcastle could get? Because obviously the... There's, there's the rumours of Paquette. Apparently he's got a Bruno's house tonight, house and tea, and everyone's probably saying that there's a £45 million bid on the table that he's going to be signing and he's, been, he's going to be in big market by Thursday night. But and realistically, and maybe it is realistic to see Paquette because of the link, but who would you like to see in as the first summer signing at Newcastle? I'm more interested in what position you think, actually. I still think we need to focus on a striker because... As much as I was reminded last night of how good Callum Wilson is and can be, his injury record just you cannot rely on that at all. And I think we still need a world class, well not world class, a top class striker, whoever we can get. And I think for me, the two names that probably would have jumped out were like maybe like a, a Tone, Ivan Tony, maybe or a Tammy Abraham. So I think, but I think perhaps it depends how cheaply you can get them. And how, whether they'd be willing to come. And I think Tammy Abraham has been doing well at Roma in like what seems to be a pretty average Roma side. So they sit in like eighth in the in the Syria. So I think maybe a Tammy Abraham, but I know it's a risk because the quality of the league out there is not as good as what it is obviously back in the Prem. But I still think we need the first thing I would go for is a, a striker because I think without Callum Wilson, we we. Was screwed for a natural goal scorer, and you, we just absolutely need that. So that's the first thing I go and and have Callum Wilson there, to because like you say, you know, there's a lot of games. You know, you got and the thing is for me next season as well. You know, there's maybe next season the first time in 15 years I've thought shit we could win the FA Cup or something. Do you know what I mean? So you're gonna need a bit. You're gonna need a bit more squad depth in there. So yeah, for me, striker, and then realistically, um, maybe like a, a Tammy or a Nekatia, you said, as well. But I think, yeah, I would potentially go for Tammy. It, it's a funny balance because I, I agree um, 100% we need like a proper, not necessarily one like huge name, massive striker, but it's, it's getting that balance of one, who is actually realistic and, and two, you know uh, how much how much can we spend how much can we push the boat out because strikers are always going to cost the most money aren't they but I, for me i've always said from the start patrick schick uh for, from leverkusen is is one for me i'm not a huge tammy abraham lover i've got to be honest but then like mm. do you go for like someone like alexander isaac or or someone like that or is that a bit too ambitious i mean is more one for the future i think um see i can pronounce Ekatike, Johnny. That's See, what I was fra- saying. I said Ekatike. It's hard to pronounce. Get the names right. Yeah, I mean, at least you didn't mispronounce it live on Sky Sports News. But, no, uh, true. Yeah, who did? But I think that's the big thing, though. It's the realistic part that you've said. And it's like, again, back to my point before, I don't want to pay £70 million for a £40 million striker as well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I want to pay forty. I want to pay £40 million for a £40 million striker and use that other £30 million for... You know, as much as, you know, Matty Target's been absolutely brilliant for us and I'd like to see him signed, you know, you still need stronger... If we're going to be looking for those top six positions, top seven positions, you know, heading towards, you need someone, you know, a bit high quality. But he is, he has been class for us, so can't knock it, really. Yeah, Just contradicting myself really there. So. Oh, don't worry, brother. We do it all the time. That's why... It, it's, 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 it's true, though, isn't it? Target has been yeah. fantastic, but... If he doesn't sign and we sign a really, really good left back instead, I'm not going to cry about it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's and also, as well, I mean, how do we have? So, do we do we then focus on you know someone to replace uh, Almiron 
on the right, you know, his armour on good enough to get us to where we want to be going. You know, you trip your right back, you know, there's no question there. Dan Byrne, perhaps, you know, another centre-after instead of Shaw. Like, there's there's a few positions you'd say right wing, but I think definitely, um, you know, a, a right winger to, to replace Almiron slash Fraser um, is probably needed. I think I think there's a I think there's a lot of players. I, I don't want to call them Deadwood, but they are. That's what they are. And, and uh, the likes of your Richies, Gales, Mankios. I think Kraft's done enough to probably give himself another season. I think that some of the performances have been absolutely fantastic. I have to be honest. I've never been his biggest fan, and, and Sam definitely knows that. But like even players like Jacob Murphy, I don't think he's good enough for, the, for this level. I don't think he's good enough for this team. I think if Newcastle can do it right and get rid of the players that we know that we can get rid of and keep the ones that we know can definitely take us to the next step with a few additions, it's like what you said, Ross. It's strategically doing it in a, a better way than just saying, right, the Man City way of buying 30 million on Adibay or 30 million on Tevez, 30 million on you know, X, Y, and Z. Rocky Santa Cruz for it springs to mind as well. So I Robinho. think it's being very, very... <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it's have to be very you have to be very strategic about it, but I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in the future. But um, I want to talk about the goalkeeping position because there's been a lot of speculation about Dean Henderson, Manchester United number two. Now, I've got no problem with Martin Dubravka still being Newcastle's number one next season, but age is, not, age is not on his side. And you look at someone like a Dean Henderson, where age is on the right side for him. He's played for some big clubs, like, like played for Sheffield United, there's pressure on there to get them out of the divisions. Manchester United, he's had a handful of appearances as well. So do you think that Newcastle will go for him in the summer for thinking more long-term rather than getting, say, a big-name goalkeeper? Because I don't think Dean Henderson would cost a lot in comparison, I have to be honest. I think it all comes down to the cost for me. And again, building smart and building sensibly. Like, I think if you could get him for a good price, knowing that you've got another season out of Dubravka. And because I've got no problem with him being our keeper. I think he's, he's good. He's been decent. And I think, yeah, if you could get Dean Henderson for a good price and if he's playing and he's and he's playing well and playing better than Dubravka, then yes, you transition him into your, your number one. But I wouldn't want to pay anything silly for a goalkeeper when I think Dubravka is good enough to get us to that top eight level. If that's what we're saying as the goal next season, eighth or above. I mean, even if we finish ninth, that's still an improvement. We'll still take that. But, you know, if we like to get to that eighth and above, then I think Dubravka is good enough to get us there. And then we can think about if he's, you know, getting that you say retiring or getting to an older age or he's not going to be good enough. Think about that in 12 months. Don't need to worry about that just yet. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Um, but looking at it from from like a Dean Henderson's point of view, the guy needs to play. He um, he, he needs to play. He should be England number one. There's no reason. World Cup's on the horizon. He sh- he should be number one. You can't trust Pickford, can you? Jesus. But um, I saw in like uh, Manchester Evening News today. I think Man United were asking price was forty million. Yeah, well, and that's not what you want to pay. I didn't that's, know that's that's, that's, You'd pay twenty five, wouldn't you? I would pay twenty five for him, I think. But like when you're getting forty million price tags, and I think people will take the piss out of Newcastle because they know we've got money, and they know they can probably ask for more. Well, I think January dictated with the likes of Botman and Diego Carlos. They're not going to be taken advantage of. True, very true. Because we didn't, did we? Like it wasn't a. Because what were they asking for Lingard for, like a loan fee or something? Twelve mil. Twelve mil for a loan, like, and again. That's not the type of buys that we want to be we going for. No, definitely not. I think it'd be interesting to see if Newcastle go in for these players again and see what the see what yeah. the difference in price is. I mean, the, the funniest thing ever was it was it um, Van Van der Beek and Deli Ali were saying we don't want to be involved in a relegation <laughs> scrap. We're not coming. And then look at what oh man, that is, that is karma and absolutely brilliant. I mean, again, players like Deli Ali. Now nah, I don't want any cast-offs from the former big four, five clubs, or big six, big six clubs that have been let go because they're lazy bastards. Like, if you watch that, watch part of that um, Amazon all or nothing with uh, Spurs, and you can just tell Mourinho was at lost, at loss with Deli Ali. So lazy, didn't want to train him. Nah, not interested. I think we had... Same with Danny Rose. That, 
Yeah, Danny Rose as well. I think we had that over the years, didn't we? When you think back to like the way the Kieran Dyer uh, uh, and Bellamy and Jenas, what the Brat Pack and all that. Is that what they were called? The Brat Pack? Yeah. We had that and it just wasn't good and it didn't work well. And I think we, we made that mistake 15, how many years ago? More than that now. Fucking hell, I feel old. 20 years ago. <laughs> Tell me about it when you think freaking London 2012 was 10 years ago. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I was just, before you made the point of Van der Beek and, and Deli Ali, when Johnny, you were saying about um, 12 million loan fee, that's them's the sort of deals that you, you leave to, to Everton because they just spent so stupid. And you look at players like Kieran Trippier, who's just the epitome of the correct attitude that you want. Didn't play last night. He's probably fit to play, but Eddie Howe's one of them where you've got the shirt, you keep the shirt, and fair play to Emil Kraft. Mm. Trippier was on the sidelines. What a manager he's going to make one day. I don't know if you saw him, Ross, but he was when he was warming up up and down the touchline, he was dictating plays, he was giving advice. He was, he was doing everything. He's just an absolute brilliant player to have around, it seems. I listened to him on a podcast, uh, the True Geordie podcast I listened to him on, and he was just so incredibly professional on there and so level-headed. And like you say, you just thought this guy seems like a really good bloke to have around the training grounds. Like, And he said he wants to be a manager. And I think he said he learned a lot from... Um, uh, God, his name's completely gone and I should know his own tellers. Atletico Madrid, uh, Diego... Simeone, Diego Simeone, he said he learned so much from him as a manager and he wants to go into coaching when he's when he's done. And God, I mean, I'm getting carried away with ourselves. Yeah, but maybe he's that next, <laughs> that next manager that comes in. Who knows? But nah. Um, yeah, Eddie Howe's been doing brilliant. That was a tongue-in-cheek comment. But yeah, um, he's definitely the type. He's the type of player that you want playing for us. Yeah, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know if you've seen this, Sam, actually, but Kieran Trippier was on the pitch and he put a, a horrendous challenge, I'm hoping, on his son. Because <laughs> 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 they were literally playing football on the halfway line, the kids were just running away, and Trippier's having trying to get them back on as they're walking around. <laughs> just Good. Like, Children <laughs> have to learn. <laughs> it's a man's game. It's a man's game. Oh, it's a women's yeah. game as well, now, to be fair. It is. Uh, but you know what I mean. Yeah, 22,000 yeah. at St. James's Park for the other week. We were there. What a day. Yeah, that's class. That's class. And, and the Women's FA Cup final, the other day looked mint as well. Like, great crowds. Yeah. And we're, we're all saying how good it is to see the crowds at the women's football. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, what was your, what's your first memory of supporting Newcastle, Ross? And what, what year are we talking about here? Uh, for me, first ever match I went to was a good one. Wimbledon at home, 1996, I think. She was home, home debut. Home debut, goal in the Melbourne stands. Wallop, straight. That was that was my first Newcastle game. It wasn't even the best goal of the game, though. I can't remember the score. I just remember Shiro's. I just remember Shiro's goal. Is it not one nil? I thought it was one nil. Uh, I think you'll find David Batty scored an absolute. Oh, did he? Majestic lob from like 35, 40 yards. I can't. I mean, I remember Shira's because it was Shira. That was the first one I remember. But um, but yeah, that was my that was my first one. And then we had season tickets in the Melbourne stand till I was like seventeen. Then I had to get a Saturday job. Nightmare. Couldn't go anymore. I mean, um, for for the, for those of of our viewers and listeners who aren't familiar with you, middle distance runner and your trainer or coach, however you want to phrase it, who's a bit of an athletics legend, but supports the wrong team. At the time, yeah. So I was coached by uh, a Mackham, so apologies for that. Uh, Steve but Cram. did you ever turn up for training in that shirt? I should have done, shouldn't I? Come on, Steve, I let's have been. it. <laughs> now, we used to give each other that, but you know what it is? When he was coaching me, it was 2015-16, so I think... Oh, were, we in champion- <laughs> were we in the championship then and they won the premiership? So it yeah. wasn't actually a good time for me to have a Mackham as a coach because they were significantly better than us. It was that period when we went, how many games did we not win against us? Like five or six games or something? Mm. Shocking. We might even mm. still be. We still haven't beat them, over. Well, we don't play in the third tier, so it's, it's that is true, yeah. Big, but big it was uh, just not our level anymore. Did we, did, <laughs> did we cross over like that when we went up? They went down. Yeah. 
and then yeah. went, they went down again. And they're down again. I mean, they're in the playoff this Saturday, aren't they? Big match yeah, for them. Just, yeah. Is it I was going to say, love to Wickham on Saturday. Wickham yeah. Wanderers, yeah. I mean, how much of a soft there? spot for them? <laughs> so that'll be, <laughs> that be their third, third. If they lose, that'll be their third playoff final. They've lost from League One or second. Ooh, we lost to Charlton, didn't they? I was in Turkey yeah. that day. My phone, my phone just went berserk. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah, very I funny. We... I, I watched that at work. <laughs> that that was very funny. Yeah. And then didn't did the, well, was it the pizza cup where they missed in a penalty shootout? Didn't Lee Catamon yeah, yeah. miss a penalty? That was even funnier. Couldn't be. Couldn't, couldn't happen to a better bloke. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Maybe we should get him on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But um, what? Where do you think Newcastle will be in a year's time? I mean, look, I'm buzzing after last night, so I'm thinking. <laughs> that, right now, I want to be like top. I think we could finish sixth or seventh. And do you know what it is? Fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'm gonna say seventh next year for us. Don't see why. Oh, see, no, this I don't see it. why not. No, exactly. You know I, mean? I don't see why not, but it still kind of feels dirty. But it feels like I don't want to be when you know people are like, oh, look, he got carried, carried away after one half a season. That's good. But he has another, he has another little fact. You probably know it as big football fans. This is without getting carried away. The year before Leicester won the league, right? Oh, shut up. <laughs> They were they, they were they were they were bottom bottom at Christmas and ended up finishing I think it was twelfth or something like that so bottom at Christmas finished twelfth by the end of the season and then went on to win the league next season I'm not saying that's happening I'm not saying it's happening just I'm just pointing out that's all that exactly irrelevant I'm, fact just stay I'm stating I'm stating an irrelevant fact and saying it has happened where a team was the season before bottom at Christmas finished near the top half of the table. And then we're not win the league. I'm not saying it's happening again. I'm just saying it's happening before. I, you know what? I, 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 but I can't guarantee that's not being clipped up and put on Twitter tomorrow. But, no, you know, <laughs> but yeah, now, I but to be honest, I'd still take a season in the top ten finish, but with 100%. no, no kind of fear of being dragged into a relegation battle because that's what it's been for the past five, six years, hasn't it? Well, it's, I mean. Even like it's yeah, it's so it's, I feel like it was we had that one good season with Alan Pardew finishing fifth, which I was talking about that team the other day. That was actually a class team when you think about the players that were in it. Tiote, Ben Arthur, Kabai, Sisi, uh, Denver Bar, Colacini, like it was Enrique, I think was Enrique no, he gone by then. He do, yeah, he just left. We got Sanders on him, didn't we? Yeah. It was oh yeah, Santon, yeah. It was a savage team. But since then it was like just constant relegation battle for, at some point, yes, we might have finished, ended up, you know, eleventh or twelfth, but usually at Christmas we were like near the bottom and stuff like that. Um so yeah, just that I just I was hitting my dad. We just said it's nice just to have hope again. That's all it is. Just a bit of hope that actually we could be a good side, we could have a good cup run, we might push for Europe and God, who knows? One day, maybe we're challenging for the title again. But if we're not, that's you know, that's what we want to be able to do. But if if we're not, and if it don't take a very long time, that's fine. Just want to see us getting better and at least trying to be, uh, a, you know, a, a, a top six club at some point. It's just remarkable, isn't it? Just talking so positively about our magnificent football club. He, he has a good story for you. You know, the day that Mike Ashley sold Newcastle, I was out, because um, obviously I'm from Newcastle originally, and but I lived down in London, so I was out with my work in Soho, and the day that he sold the club, I was out Sam Brew Brewdog, who do I see walking down the streets with four bouncers around him? Mike no. Ashley. No I way! To, I swear to God, I said, I was standing outside having a, having a, having a pint, and I sent my boss, I went, I think that's Mike Ashley over there, and I was I was out of skin for, so I was not, I was kind of pissed. So I was thinking maybe it's my eyes are gone like that, and I was like, that is Mike Ashley, and I was like, I panicked, right? I panicked. I went, Mike, and he turned around and he put his hand up like that, and obviously he'd been in London. He probably thought there's no Newcastle fans going to give us any shit down here, and then I was about to say something like you fuck wanker, something like that. You know what I mean? But but 
he had about four or five bounces around him and I thought, do you know, do you know what it is? I'm not going to do it. So I, I just panicked. I was like, I said something like, thank God you sold the club off, off Chelsea. I can't remember. Something about any putters give us a thumbs up like that. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And then the following day, it was in the Daily Mail about Mike Ashley out in Soho celebrating the sale of Newcastle club. Couldn't believe yeah. it. The day, the day that he sold the club, I seen him. Wow. I mean, as, weirdly, that was going to be my next question. Where were you take overnight? I well, wasn't exactly. expecting that answer. I uh, ten foot, ten foot away from Mike Ashley at one point. But were you watching the scenes kind of longingly? Because I'm in the Midlands, so so, yeah. and I, I was I was stuck at work that night, um, watching on longingly as as Johnny was outside St James's Park. What what looked a bigger lash, the scenes outside oh, St James's yeah. or the Olympic Village in 2012? Oh, I don't think you'll ever get anything close to the scenes outside St James's. That was absolutely. And then Sam Fender rocks up as well. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? He turns up. I just. I was so jealous that I couldn't go up because it looked absolutely carnage. It was, uh, what? Well, yeah, Johnny, what, I'm guessing it was uh, ridiculous. It was, it was, it, I haven't been to Newcastle on an international break like that. And it was just, it, it was absolutely incredible. Like, I can't, I can't, like, I live in North Shields. So that trip from North Shields to Newcastle, it's about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, depending on. Oh, Wait, on the, the three six one or three what was it the three away? <laughs> the three away. I was in the three oh nine, believe it or not. Three oh nine, that was all right. <laughs> but um yeah, so then oh, get so a then... room. Fucking N E twenty nine and all that I'm shite. I'm N E twenty eight. Hold on, I'll, I'll Oh turf war. <laughs> I'm getting grief off the drumstick kid. Uh, with that T shirt there, how are you? I do look like exactly. a drumstick, don't you? It was a good show, lad. It was a good show. <laughs> but when you when we got there, you, 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 we've all done that walk. You walk from the bus stop, past the goose. Oh, and you could just, I could hear a bit of noise, not too much. And as soon as you could see the ground, oh my God, it was just carnage. But it was just, you could just feel like the weight had just been lifted around the area just like that it was just remarkable but like i don't like using the word scenes but it was the scenes yeah. were incredible out there and did I you don't think I've ever experienced that did you yeah, take a can i did i had what did i have on the night i had i'm still believe that enough i'm still didn't take some stella and start hitting people no 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 <laughs> wasn't that kind no, of no, night no not that's that kind of night <laughs> that's next no, night <laughs> I was jealous that I, jealous that I couldn't go up, like because, like you say, it's just uh, looked looked amazing. I mean, yeah, ridiculous. Well, did you did you not have kind of not similar similar nights? Because I heard quite a lot of rumours at the time. London twenty twelve in the Athletes Village was um, had its moments. I, I what you're talking about the the rumours about everybody shagging. Your words, not allegations. Mine. Yeah, allegations. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is, if there was, nobody told me about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> either that, or I just wasn't bloody invited. Which, <laughs> lads, to be honest, it well, were you in no. McDonald's eating nuggets with Usain Bolt? Exactly. Where is everyone? Do you know what I mean? Like, gone, yeah. <laughs> Bastards didn't invite us. No, it was. So it was like it was the big party scene, like afterwards. So. There wasn't that many parties in the village, but where you'd go out, you'd go out into London and there'd be like parties at every single club and you'd get, as the athletes, you'd get invites and all that sort of stuff. So as soon as people finished competing, doing whatever they were doing, that was it. It was a complete piss up for them after that. So if you finished on day three, brilliant. You've got 10 days to go and, you know, get lashed and have a great time. If you finished on day 14, sucks to be you because you had one day and then, and then it was all over. So I was quite early doors. So it was quite good for me. <laughs> stumbling around pissed walking into table tennis tournaments exactly <laughs> where's the hockey <laughs> but no it was it was it was it was madness but like you say 10 years ago man that's gone quickly that has yeah well I, like I say I can remember watching like, I think it was the Saturday where I think everybody was just I'm trying to think who it was it was Jessica Rennes Mo Farah and Greg Rutherford wasn't it they were the that's big the three one. that day yeah yeah that, Incredible, absolutely. Felt incredible like it felt like obviously again. 
I'm looking through things with the most incredibly rose-tinted glasses because being part of it. But I do just feel like even, I always say this, even the country at the time just felt like a much calmer, more peaceful, nicer time to be alive. Do you know what I mean? It was like a nicer time to be alive. There's a lot of issues at the moment for, you know, lots of different reasons. But like at the time, I don't know, I feel like everyone was just getting on a bit better. Do you know what I mean? Everyone was just, it was just a bit of a nicer time to be alive. Um, Yeah. That's what sport can do though. I know. That's what I mean. It brings a country, it brought everybody together. Look what's happening now around Newcastle as well. Life is good again around there. Exactly. Like you say, it felt like a weight had been lifted off the city. Do you know what I mean? Hundred percent. It's just incredible. Yeah, incredible. It's no, it's just totally different. Like you're going through the motions. You still had like good days and whatnot. But like when you drive three and a half hours to 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 see us get absolutely smashed by Chelsea or lose at home to West Brom, and then you go three and a half hours home, it's just it doesn't matter. But nothing. There's nothing fun about it. Was there really? From like. All right, you know, when he first took over and Keegan was in, we did at that point we didn't really know what we were in for. It was only once we started like, you know, relegating, all right, you come back up and then you had, you had a little bit of hope with the 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 what two thousand fourteen ish, no two thousand no, two thousand twelve season actually. So yeah. yeah, that was a good year. That, that was year. a good year. My year, that was a good year. You had a bit of hope there, but from then after that, that was it, man. It just got worse and worse and worse and the hope just drained and drained and drained and then all the the teasings that we had with the takeovers for two years, it became a running joke, didn't it? About right, oh, it's Christmas, we're having a takeover. Um, and then when it eventually happened, man. Yeah, and... incredible. Uh, Ross, finally, what has been your best moment supporting Newcastle United so far? Do you know what it is one that always sticks out to me? The Bobby Robson season, where we're in the Champions League and I think we'd lost three on the bounce. And I think it was when we used to have to go through two group stages. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, we'd lost a couple on the bounce. So basically it was the final game and it was the last minute and we had to score. And I was in a pub in Wall's End with my dad and my brother, I think. And Craig, and this was back at a time where people could smoke in pubs. So like every time you score and watch Newcastle play, you'd come out like at 12 years old, my eyes would be like red as anything and you'd be coughing from all the secondhand smoke. But I don't know that second. I mean, there's so many good moments, but that one where that second, where Bellamy got that last minute goal against Feyenoord was just. There's, there's something special about European nights, I think, right. and because I've never, because we've never won anything. That's like I, I can't say we've ever won anything. And again, you know, you're five nils against Man. You're too young to appreciate that at five, six years old. So I think for me, it was the Robson era and 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 that that season where. That game, yeah, I would say the final where we where we banged it in and, and got us through to the next group stage or got us through to the next round. I can't remember what it was. That was absolutely class. That that European Champions League season. Yeah, yeah. Was, I think that's a really really good memory that time, isn't it? Because yeah, I was playing like, well, too too young, too young sometimes for the Keegan era. It was all, it was the Robson era for me that I could appreciate at you know 12, 11, 12, 13 years old. Yeah, I think we're the same age from the sounds of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I remember where I was that night. I was 12, 13 at the time. And um, we, we'd gone 2-0 up at final, didn't we? And then yeah. looked like we'd balls it up, gone it back to, to, to 2-2. And I remember I remember watching it on ITV2 uh, back in the day of the Champions League on, on there. And it, uh, watching it with my mum and we were in... when. I mean, it was just us two. We were in a council flat, so I had neighbours to the right, to, to 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 the side below, and to the diagonal as well. And you know, times getting on of evening. There's there's some old neighbours, and and then when Dyer goes through, like jumping up, going, "Go on, missed." <laughs> then Bellamy screamed the house down at what quarter to ten at night, and I got a clip around the ear for it, but it was worth it. How he how he got to that ball though as well. He just like it was it was it was. Did Hugo Viana score that night as well? Do you remember yeah, that? Hugo Viana. Hugo Viana. He was he half got the And who? He was half, oh, half volley. volley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bellamy got yeah. burst as well, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he was good for us, Bellamy. Like when he uh, before he wanted to leave, he was he was good for us. Hundred percent. Ross, it's been an absolute pleasure having well, you on the show. Thank you for having us, lads. Appreciate it. 
Sorry about me. We, we, we were we were going to go in depth into to, to to athletics and stuff, but then we've just completely got we've just chatted about Newcastle for an hour, which is just pretty much how every episode goes now these he's days. Probably talk, he's probably talked about athletics all his career. Yeah, yes. well, about Newcastle. Has he gone for you, Johnny? He has his home games. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> talking about lashing it. Yeah. No, it's been so, it's nice, nice, to, nice to be on, nice to have a chat about Newcastle when it's actually exciting and worth worth talking about because, like you say, it hadn't been for a while. But right, thanks for having us, lads, and nice to meet you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And what Sam was meant to say where he just got cut out for half a second is there is that Ross has been absolutely brilliant. Subscribe to the Greenwood and Rumors show on Newcastle Fans TV. It's available on all podcast outlets. And if, yes. if you know people that would want to listen to this and leave five-star reviews... That would be fantastic as well. But it's been a fantastic night. There's one more game left in this uh, Premier League season, Burnley on Sunday. So make sure you watch out all the videos that will be coming out for that and keep an eye out for Green and Morning shows as well. We'll, We're not going to stop. We're going to keep on going all the way through until the summer and we'll get to actually episode 100 throughout the summer as well. So for myself, Jonathan Greenwood, Sal Milner and former Olympian Ross Murray, we'll see you all very soon. Newcastle Fans TV.